On today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we look at part two of the story of King David. Yo, yo, yo! What is up, everybody in the Digging In family? Welcome back to another episode of the Digging In podcast. Hope you guys have been thoroughly enjoying our lessons from series, because I know that it's been an honor for me to walk through scripture with each and every one of you and discuss these amazing biblical characters and the vast amount of lessons that we can be learning from them. So this series has been really cool for me in, in so many ways, and uh, part of it has been because I'm in seminary and I get to learn all kinds of crazy, crazy, crazy awesome things, but I think that everyone deserves to know the information as it is available. So with that, I am digging through scripture with you guys, providing a, a few tips and tricks and uh, information along the way, all with the desire of fueling your love for God's word, but ultimately for God himself. So we are going to continue that trend today as we look at part two of the story of King David. If you guys remember in our last episode, David is bringing about some of the brightest days in the history of Israel. So before we jump into the second part of the story of David, I want to go ahead and throw out the disclaimer that this is uh, a considerably more depressing view of who David is. My goal today is to not make you think that David is a bad person, but it's to make you think and make you realize that God, the God of the universe, chooses broken people to bring about his good and powerful name, glory, and plan here on earth. And so today, as we look at the story of David, we leave behind a lot of the amazing, wonderful things about David, and we step into some of the darker days of David. I want you guys to keep it in mind that it's not that David is bad. It's just that David's human, just like you and just like me. He had his amazing period of of greatness of where he shined all because of God's glory and God's spirit living within him. But then it is here and now when we look and realize that David was still a human. So before we jump in, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible, your pen, and your paper, and let's dig in. Father God, thank you so much for, again, setting aside time for us and helping us to just honestly set aside time for you, that we would be able to focus on you. God, it's an amazing thing to be faithfully committed to you. It changes our life. We are meant to look different every single day because of your power working within us. God, you are drawing us closer and closer to you. So I pray that as anyone and everybody listens to this podcast, that they would understand that you are just constantly pulling them in. That at times we are the ones who are resisting that pull or turning around and running away from you as you pull us. But ultimately, God, you are pulling us in and it's our job, our time today to focus our eyes on you, to fix them on you and realize who you are, the one pulling us closer. So God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see your word today and to learn more about you and fall deeper in love with you. Thank you so much, God. We love you. Amen. Okay, let's do it. Let's jump in to the second half, the second part of the story of King David. A quick recap, David is epic. David, the young, tiny little shepherd boy who was away from all of his brothers and his father didn't even consider bringing him in, 
is now the king of Israel. He defeated a giant. He's defeated all kinds of military uh, enemies of all sorts. He has unified all of Israel under the name of God in the city of Jerusalem. The presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, is now in Jerusalem for the first time under a unified Israel since the time of Joshua. So we are looking at a unified, healthy, faithful leader who is totally committed to God in everything that he does. And just before today's moment, uh, we, we saw the covenant commitment of God, of Yahweh, the covenant God of the universe, as he looks down on David and says, David, I am going to bring from you the Messiah of the world, that he will be the king with an eternal kingdom. He is the Messiah that you've been waiting for since Genesis 3.15, and he will be like a son to me. And through your descendants, David, will I bring about the saving of this world. And so that's 2 Samuel 7. Keep that in your brain forever because God just promised the Messiah to come from David's family. Huge moment. So abundantly clear that for the first time, maybe for some of you, if you're reading 2 Samuel 7, this may be your first understanding that God is promising a Messiah. That it's not just God doing other things for people, um, but he's really just uh, promising a Messiah to come and that he will come from the line of David, which again, if you trace back, is the line of Abraham, which is also the line or the seed of the woman from Genesis 3.15. So up to this point, we are looking awesome with the story of David. But like all humans in the Bible, this story gets a little dark. So let's turn now to our reading today, 2 Samuel 11, all the way to 2 Samuel 24. Actually, you know what, guys? I, I've done this now twice. I, I told you the wrong, the wrong place that I want you to read to. And, and the reason I said that is uh, because that's actually where the, the book of Samuel ends in uh, 24. But actually, the story of David does not. So why don't you go ahead and read 2 Samuel 11 and just push it two more chapters and read to 1 Kings 2, verse 12. So 1 Kings 2, verse 12 is where you're going to stop your reading today. So uh, go ahead and read that again, keeping in mind the idea of who a king is, who is the perfect king, um, and, and ultimately, uh, what does that king look like? How does that king act? What, how is that king different from, from other things that you know? Um, and then how does that relate to Saul and David? Go ahead and do that and then join us back for more. So I am right now sitting here uh, at the church in my little recording area. I've got these really nice brand new mics. I got a sweet soundboard and on this soundboard is a button and I'm going to push it because uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to push any of these buttons ever again, but this is the, this is the emotion that we are feeling coming into today about David. And then just clapping and just everyone's stoked. And then once you read 2 Samuel 11, you might change a little bit to this. Man, that's so cheesy. I am so sorry. I just, the soundboard is so ridiculous and it's brand new and I just figured I had to touch it. So, you know, just bright blinking buttons. I wish you guys could see it. It's like, how could I not touch those buttons? So uh, all that is to say, 2 Samuel 11 begins the wah, 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 wah story of David. So uh, as you guys just read, this is just sad. 
we look at David and we see the bright and shining kingdom. But then what we see is this idea of David being on top of a roof and it is springtime, as it says uh, in, in the first words there, which is when the king would oftentimes go and review the army, to go review the military and see how they were doing. Everyone is at the war, at battle right now, preparing to battle anyway. And King David, the military and faith leader of Israel, is at home on his roof. And this theme is this idea that is all throughout the Bible of you are high and God will bring you lower. And so David in this moment takes advantage of his kingly position of his amazing uh, power in all of Israel. And he chooses to sleep with a married woman. And it doesn't just stop there, does it? No, he gets this woman pregnant and in order to not seem unfaithful, in order to not be viewed as unfaithful, not by God because God knows what he's done, but to not be viewed as unfaithful by the people of Israel, he has that wife's husband put into the front lines of battle and essentially murdered in the war. And this is not good. Guys, this is a total and complete lack of understanding and of, uh, of, of having any faith. This is the human nature of David finally eking out. It's finally revealing itself. But I would, I would pause us for a second, and I want us to look back on the story of David just for a brief moment. What we know about David is up to this point, he has a couple wives, so he, the, the ancient Near Eastern practice of multi-wives is not uncommon, but that does not make it right, is maybe the best way to put it. Um, I have searched all through the scriptures and I've looked for places where uh, it's where God says, you know, don't marry multiple women. And it's not that easy. There's some, some ideas and some concepts around that, but it's not that straightforward black and white. But the idea here is that I believe that it was the opening of the door of marrying multiple women that allowed David to kind of get in this position of believing that women are objects or that women were Meant to be used for a purpose. Now, I know that there are some biblical theologians out there who are going to hear that and cringe or think that I'm stepping too far. But the only reason I bring that up is because up to this point, David has been rock solid. He's been utterly faithful. And we run into this moment and without warning, he does a pretty egregious set of activities. And so I'm not willing to say that this was his first mess up or this was all of a sudden, this was the bad thing he did. I think that there were a few things leading up to this moment that kind of brought him here. And so all this is to say he does a horrible thing in him being married and this other woman being married. And he asks someone to go and get this woman for him and they sleep together. He gets her pregnant out of marriage and then has the wife's husband murdered in war. And so, uh, not good guys, just not good. And so all this, all this happens. He ends up marrying this woman. Her name is Bathsheba. And, uh, they, they end up getting that first child they got pregnant with. That child dies uh, in, in, in chapter 12. And then the, he has a new, uh, child, a new child named Solomon. 
So uh, here's the thing, though. In between 11 and the birth of Solomon, we see this section where a prophet actually rebukes David. And so if you guys remember Samuel, well, there was a guy who came after him. His name is Nathan. And Nathan, the prophet, rebukes David. And he gives him this this, uh, really interesting image in in chapter 12. He says um, this whole story, uh, it's it's, it's one through five, I believe. Um, And he says, oh, it's one through two. No, that's one through five. Okay, here we go. This is the story that Nathan tells David. He says, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other one was poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb which he had bought himself and he brought it up and he grew up with it and with his children and it used to eat of his morsel and drink of his cup and lie in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. This lamb was like a child, a pet, a loved pet. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come to him. So he went and found the poor man and he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to visit him. David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. And then Nathan, in his rebuke, looked at him and says, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed king, anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul, and I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you this much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? Youch. Evil in the sight of the Lord being brought up. If you remember those words being used in the era of the judges, the rebuke that Nathan has for David is you have done your own thing, your own way. You are the man who takes the poor man's lamb. You have totally destroyed so much. And that just begins this horrible story of everything that is David's downfall. You read of a few more battles and a few more stories of a few people and some conspiracy. And then David begins to run because one of his own sons is now trying to kill him. So David finds himself running yet again. The king is now running from who? His own son as his own son tries to murder him. And then he is saved by someone named Hushai. And then uh, his son, who was trying to kill him, is now killed. And then David returns to his kingdom. But his kingdom is now just so depressing. I mean, so depressing. He's in grief. And then he gets rebuked again in 2 Samuel 19 for his, his grief and for his, the way that he's acting. And he returns to Jerusalem and pardons his enemies. And it looks like at the end of his kingdom reign, it's no longer the mighty and powerful David we see, but a sad and depressed man. And then we see one more big rebellion, a huge rebellion in chapter 20. And in 21, he makes some, you know, some fights. And then there's this beautiful section. This is, this is where it gets a little crazy, a little weird, um, is that he is utterly depressed and he's so sad. But in 22 and 23, he actually, he actually sings a song. He sings a song about the faithfulness of God, the deliverance of himself, and ultimately the faithfulness of God, that even though he was unfaithful, 
that God remained faithful. In verse 7, 22, 7, it says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I called from his temple. He heard my voice, and my cry came to his ears. And so he knows that even though he's been terrible, He's almost asking for forgiveness in this song, saying, uh, I swear, I'm, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I, I messed up and I've forgotten who God is. And then you read about David's mighty men and the interesting nature of David's mighty men. And then you get this really weird story in 2 Samuel 24 about a census. And in this story of the census, the sin is not abundantly clear to us. After you do some digging, you might find it yourself. Uh, Again, I don't want to spend too much time on it. But the result is that through the census, David ends up sinning against God again. A second, maybe even a third time against God has David sinned. The anger of the Lord is kindled against him. He tries to build an altar to try to repair this, but it seems that God is not really wanting this to happen that way. And then we open up the story of First Kings and we read First Kings 1 and we read this unfortunate, unfortunate story about David, which is that he is this decrepit old man. He's unable to even get up. They want a young woman to come and lay next to him to comfort him and provide him with his last final days of being in peace. He faithfully does not sleep with this woman because I imagine somehow he learned his lesson in this moment. Um, And then he helps to anoint his son as king and he gives these faithful instructions to his son. He says, in order to be a faithful or to be a good king, you must be faithful. He says, you must be faithful. He says, and this is 1 Kings 2, he says, um, I am about to go to the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may never, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your son pays close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So he says, listen, be faithful to God. It's just better. You'll be more prosperous because of it. But then he somehow decides to close out this whole conversation and his, some of his last words to his son Solomon are, so be faithful. Yes. Amen. 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 But also I need you to go kill these three dudes. So that way you can establish a strong foothold as the king. And then he dies. <laughs> And then he dies. First uh, Kings 2, 10 through 12, uh, David, the king, the great King David dies after telling his son to be faithful to God and to not break his commandments. And then also you need to go kill these people. That's like, that. those are his final words. Guys, the story of David is one that after his first sin entered, just like in Genesis 3, after the first sin entered the world, the next few sins just seemed so easy to follow. It seemed that David was slowly losing himself. He was becoming considerably more prideful in his power, and he believed that what he was doing was right. He, he felt regretting. He, he was regretful. He was mourning in some of those moments, and he felt terrible about some of the decisions, but the sin had been cast, and the patterns had been developed, and all that happened after that is David's downfall. And so what we read is that in his final moments, David commissions three men to be killed. He incites murder so that way his son could be a more powerful king. He sins against God two, maybe three times in these final few chapters, all with the effort of trying to remain powerful, remain as the powerful, strong king of Israel, even though he was at his highest of highs when he took a woman to be his own, to use her as an object. 
he began to step down a path that he would not return from. And so what is the lesson from King David? Yet again, the lesson remains. It seems that no matter how many characters we talk about, no matter how many people all throughout the Bible, the lesson that God is teaching us, the lesson that God wants us to learn from is that of faithfulness in following God versus unfaithfulness in following ourselves. What we saw was David's immediate and beautiful rise as he remained faithful to God. He came from being the young shepherd boy all the way to the mightiest king in Israel. And at his highest of highs, where he could have been on his knees continuing to thank God, he chose to do what he wanted to do and take a woman and use her. And then his downfall began as he continued to choose himself just the way that all human beings before him had chosen themselves over God. It's a tricky path. It's a tricky, it's a tricky way to go down. But it's oh so easy, is it not? My challenge to you guys today is to look at your life and notice the areas in your life where you are choosing yourself over God. Is it your job? Is it your your deepest passions? Is it a relationship? Is it social status? Is it the way that you are viewed by other people? Is it your self-worth? Are you valuing those things, those people, those instances, those circumstances above God? Are you choosing those things instead of choosing God? Are you making your own decisions based on what you want to do rather than what you know God wants you to do? I think it's as simple as this. If you're listening to this episode right now, at some level you are saying that this is important to you. Whether, that, whether or not that's your faith whether or not that's just wanting to listen to a podcast. You're saying that this thing that you're doing is important because you're taking 25 minutes out of your day to listen to me talk to you. So what you're doing effectively is you're using your time, you're spending your time and your effort on this. Is that your choice? Is that what you want to do? What's going to happen when this is over? Are you just going to go about your day and choose more of yourself? Or is using this tool of the Digging In podcast helping you to now choose God over everything else? Are you closing this and going and doing your reading? Are you listening to this and then doing all of your reading and spending time with God in prayer and honest reflection? Guys, my challenge to you is to look at your time, look at your thoughts, look at your words, look at your values, your ethics, your morals. In what ways are you choosing yourself and your own decisions in your own way over God's? Don't make this complicated saying, I don't know what it is that God wants me to do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. It's just a little bit more difficult than you want it to be. You know exactly what God wants of you. He wants you to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To spend every possible moment that you can focusing on him. And when you can't really sit and focus and study the word and focus completely on him, that whatever you would be doing in your daily life would be for his glory, to shine him and your identity in him to the whole world. You don't have to make it that complicated. You just have to make it about God. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From Series. Join us next time as we look at the next king of Israel, David's son, Solomon.